0: Regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you've joined us on the program today. I was going to do the uh, intro in my uh, best Joe Biden impersonation. Regulated militia being... Necessary to screw a free state, wrong people, people, non friends. But uh, I don't think I'd ever actually quote the Second Amendment. I'm pretty sure he doesn't remember it. Uh, seems to be reading off the teleprompter a lot these days. Anyway, we're gonna be talking about uh, Joe Biden's remarks on a Wednesday, and I'm gonna do my best to ignore well let's put it this way. We're going to talk with Larry Keene of the National Shooting Sports Foundation here in a minute. We're going to talk with Michael Cargill uh, of the Texas, Central Texas Gunworks uh, about the Biden uh, comments regarding uh, rogue gun dealers and the, the zero-tolerance policy that uh, Biden says the ATF will now have for rogue gun dealers, suggesting that in the past, perhaps even when Biden was vice president, that the uh, ATF had a uh, a policy of... Man, you're selling guns out the back door without uh, going through a background check? Nah, no big deal. We'll see you next year. I don't think that was the case, but I think Biden's looking for a scapegoat here. Violent crime is on the rise across the country, and Biden certainly cannot blame the defund the police movement. He cannot talk about the millions of dollars that have been stripped from police budgets in cities from Seattle to uh, New York City. Uh, he can't talk about the increasing lawlessness Uh, In many of these Democrat uh, cities where you've got, you know, prosecutors who are saying, well, not only are we not going to prosecute, you know, minor drug offenses, uh, we're not going to prosecute shoplifting. We're not going to prosecute prostitution. We're not going to prosecute, you know, maybe human trafficking, but uh, eh, even then, kind of iffy, right? Uh, There's a lot going on in this country that has led to this rise in violent crime. But Biden and Democrats want to place the blame on one thing, guns. The, the, specifically the increase in gun sales last year. Now, think about this. Each and every year in this country, millions of firearms are sold. And for the past 25 years, despite millions of firearms being sold, violent crime has gone down. Violent crime rate cut in half in this country. The homicide rate cut in half in this country between the early 1990s and, let's say, 2020 when all of a sudden those uh, drops stopped, and instead we saw this huge crime spike. If gun sales were a driver of violent crime, then violent crime in this country would be getting worse year after year after year after year after year. We would see that rate going up because there are more guns being sold. There are more guns in the hands of Americans. But something happened last year. And it wasn't just the record high number of guns that were sold in this country. We saw police pull back in cities across the nation. We saw resources devoted to prevent cities from being burned to the ground instead of going after violent criminals. Do you not think that makes a difference? When hundreds of officers each and every night are being deployed to the downtown areas to prevent rioting and destruction and looting, you don't think that has an impact? On staffing levels and the number of officers available to respond to priority one calls in high crime neighborhoods, oh, it has a huge difference. I would also add that uh, I, I believe the anti policing rhetoric uh, on the part of many Democrats has also made it more difficult for community policing, the type of policing that Democrats say that they really like. You know, when cops are uh, engaged with the community, when they're having those one on one discussions, and that is really important. It really is. In terms of getting witnesses to cooperate, in terms of witnesses being able to testify, you need to have a good relationship between the officers of a police department and the communities that they serve. But again, when you've got one political party demonizing law enforcement, uh, embracing the all cops are bastards mantra, guess what happens? The community doesn't trust police. It exacerbates the existing problems. Biden can't talk about any of that because he doesn't want to upset his base. So instead, he has to try to uh pin the blame on legal gun owners and particularly uh, uh on Wednesday blaming gun stores. So, yeah, I know Biden went off on that weird tangent about well, you you couldn't own a cannon and yeah, you could actually. Uh, and you know, the, the you want to take on the government, you need nuclear weapons and F-15s, which, I again, I don't know if he's channeling his inner Eric Swalwell with that comment. I, I don't know. It's, it's been pointed out many times before. Uh, the Taliban doesn't have nuclear weapons, doesn't have F-15s, and uh, sadly seems to have done quite well in outlasting the uh, U.S. military and is now busy taking over Afghanistan. Um, so, I mean, look. All of those things that uh, that Biden said, those, those attempts to uh, uh, yeah, go off in this weird, just rambling uh, monologue about the Second Amendment in a speech, by the way, that was supposed to be about violent crime. It was supposed to reassure voters that Biden actually had a handle on violent crime. I don't think anybody walked away reassured after listening to that speech. I think, again, it was more a matter of what the hell is he talking about? Is he all right? He does not seem well. I think that was the overriding impression people got from that speech yesterday. Not like, yeah, Biden's in charge. He's going to get it done. Having said that, there are individuals who do have full control of their faculties who are working in the administration. Biden wants to put uh, gun control activist David Chipman in charge of the ATF. Uh, and uh, we saw yesterday that Biden, his strategy really is to weaponize that agency against gun owners, against the firearms industry, not just manufacturers, but against gun stores as well. So we're going to focus on that aspect of Biden's bizarre speech yesterday, again, uh, with Larry Keene, Senior Vice President, General Counsel of the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Uh, We will begin our discussion there. Take a look and a listen. Larry, thank you so much for joining me on the program, sir. It's good talking with you today.
1: It's always a pleasure to spend time with you, Cam. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm good. Uh, better than Joe Biden's speechwriters, anyway. I imagine uh, they probably got a dressing down after uh, yesterday's bizarre uh, remarks from the uh, the president. Let, let, let's ignore Joe Biden's uh, comments about nuclear weapons and not being able to own a cannon and things of that nature. I want to focus on uh, what Biden announced, specifically in terms of going after what he called rogue Gun dealers uh, saying that the uh, ATF will have zero tolerance for for willful violations of rules and regulations. Because I've got a couple of questions, Larry. I mean, does that mean that the ATF has been uh, ignoring willful violations of the law in the past? And, uh, and and what's your reaction to what the president said yesterday?
1: You know, it was very odd, uh, frankly. Uh, and I think you're exact I mean, it's like. I've seen this movie before, right? Uh, going all the way back to the Clinton administration days, you know, the bad apple dealers, uh, the, the sort of mythology of just 5% of the dealers are responsible for 90% of the crime guns. Uh, and we've heard that literally now for decades. And so I, I, you know, asked the question, well, there's only 5%, right? And you have this trace information and and there are in fact these uh, criminals misusing their licenses why haven't you the government figured this out and done something about it 10 years ago 20 years ago and, and the truth is that it uh, that that number means nothing right and they, and going all the way back to the Clinton days when they would put out these tracing reports they would be very clear to say the fact that a dealer has a trace or even has more than one trace doesn't mean that they are done anything wrong. It doesn't mean they're a bad apple or a rogue dealer. And there are lots of reasons why dealers would have a number of traces. You could be a high-volume dealer. You could be a dealer that's been around in business for a long time. You're going to have more traces. I mean, that's like saying, you know, 30% of drunk driving accidents involve Fords. So we have to go after Ford dealers. I mean, you know, there are many, many, and they don't take into account that, on average, the what's called the time to crime, a mm-hmm. gun is sold at retail uh, after a background check and when it's recovered by law enforcement and traced, is like 10 years. It varies up and down, roughly a decade. So the gun was sold after a background check ten years before it's recovered in some crime for some reason, uh, and that means the dealer's a bad guy. You know, and and if there are, look, if they have information that indicates somebody's engaged in illegal firearms, trafficking. Nobody wants to see them arrested and put out of business, more than the industry itself. But you know, we've heard this time and time again, where, you know, we didn't hear anything about arresting the bad guys. We didn't hear anything about you know, uh not having, you know, re- reversing this position of no cash bail. Mm-hmm. You know, all these other, you know, criminals are just misunderstood. We, you know, it's all the industry's fault Yet again, and I think really yesterday's remarks made even more abundantly clear to me exactly why David Chipman cannot be the director of ATF. Can you imagine uh, a former gun control lobbyist the head of ATF, with a mandate to revoke licenses for any time they find a willful violation. Um, that is uh, that is very concerning.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it, it begs the question of what would they consider to be willful? Uh, and, and with a uh, committed gun control activist uh, in charge of the ATF like David Chipman would uh, you start to see, you know, paperwork violations. I, I was speaking with uh, Chuck Michelle, head of the California Rifle and Pistol Association, yesterday, and he says, "Look, you know, he's seen cases where uh, firearms retailers have been dinged for uh, writing L.A. County as opposed to writing out Los Angeles County right. on on paperwork." Um, David Chippin seems like the kind of guy who who would use that as an opportunity to uh, to shut down gun stores, and we know that uh, with Biden's gun control legislation tied up in Congress right now, that that the Biden administration, I believe Biden himself, certainly gun control uh, uh, activists, see the ATF as the 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 best tool that uh, that they can use right now to go after the firearms industry uh, and gun owners themselves. I, I do want to ask them because Joe Biden had mentioned this roundtable discussion that took place before he uh, made his public comments yesterday. Um, given the fact that uh, you know the the centerpiece of Biden's proposal here is to go after these quote unquote rogue gun dealers. Was the National Shooting Sports Foundation invited to have a seat at that roundtable? Have you talked to the Biden White House at all about his proposals?
1: Well, you know, through the pandemic, the mail has been a little slow. So maybe it just hasn't gotten delivered yet. But uh, I'm not holding my breath that we're going to get it, uh, that we'll ever receive an invitation uh, to talk to this White House, which is really unfortunate because, you know, the industry works cooperatively with ATF on things like don't lie for the other guy at the store purchasing program, retailer education, compliance training that we do, you know, with ATF, like the SHOT Show and otherwise, and programs that we do like Operation Secure Store to help uh, retailers uh, harden themselves so they're less likely to be the victim of a burglary. But they don't want to hear about that. It's, you know, it's The industry is responsible for the criminal misuse of firearms. It's like, you know, it's like 20 years, we've gone back, you know, to the future 20 years ago, and it's the same rhetoric we heard in the Clinton administration uh, that led to the lawsuits against the industry trying to blame us for the criminal misuse of firearms because they didn't want to address the actual problem. They didn't want to go after the criminals that are committing the mayhem, you know, and, you know, we heard Cedric Richmond on MSNBC say it's, it's all, you know, the somehow the NRA is in control of the government. And the problem is all these guns being sold in the past year, you know, eight, eight and a half million people purchased firearms for the first time for self protection. And, and they're the problem. Um, you know, law abiding gun owners are the problem. Dealers who are on the front lines of preventing guns getting into the hands of criminals. They're the problem. And he, the gun control act says, the way it's written, a single willful violation is all that's needed for ATF to revoke a license. Now, ATF has never done that, you know, just for any old violation. They they will, as Chuck mentioned, write up for violations where you didn't write up the county, you abbreviated, right? Even though everybody in the world knows what that stands for. Mm-hmm. And there's no risk to public safety. So ATF has said, like, you're going to focus on the violations that impact public safety. Right. And and that's appropriate, But that's not what's going to happen under a Chitman led ATF and under this administration. They are going to look to put scalps on the wall and revoke licenses of dealers and put them out of business to, you know, quote unquote, send a message. They're not going to deal with the problem of crime. They're not going to, you know, um, go after the bad guys and put them in prison and and do things like Project Exile. It actually works. They, They want to come after the industry. This is, you know, and he's talking about repealing the Protection of Law for Commerce and Arms Act. What does that have to do with, you know, the rise in crime? As if law somehow caused crime to rise and that somehow repealing it, which they don't have the votes to do, is going to solve the problem. It's got nothing to do with it. That is just, you know, hat tip to the plaintiff's lawyers and the gun control groups who want it repealed so they can sue us again. And try to drive us out of business, or inflict so much litigation costs that companies have to settle because they can't afford to fight anymore. And then you know exactly what happened twenty years ago. You know, you settle and agree to this, these you know provisions, which we can never get passed through Congress or state legislatures. So it's regulation through litigation. They want to go back to where they were twenty years ago. I mean, it's like I said, I've seen this before.
0: Just well, getting get old. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a it's a Biden reboot, uh, so to speak. Hollywood loves the reboots. I, I, you know, so so let's talk about uh, this from a, a political perspective for a second, because, you know, uh, the polls have shown that Biden is underwater, basically, uh, in terms of how the public feels he is handling crime, which is, I think, the big reason why he had this speech yesterday. I cannot imagine uh, any resident of a high crime neighborhood, uh, you know, from New York to L.A. feeling better uh, and more confident after watching Biden's speech. I think it was rambling. It was semi-coherent at times. As you say, the The focus was on legal gun owners. The focus was on federally licensed firearms dealers. Uh, rarely a mention of violent criminals other than, well, we need to give them summer jobs and uh, midnight basketball. Uh, you know, uh, that, that that seemed to be uh, Biden's only focus when it comes to violent criminals. So I don't think this moves the needle in terms of where the public is on uh, Biden's proposals. But, But I'm curious about David Chipman's nomination, David, uh, excuse me, Larry, um, because we saw Susan Collins, senator from Maine earlier this week, come out and say that she is now opposed officially uh, to Chipman's nomination. Uh, You have uh, a former ATF director, uh, Michael Sullivan, speaking out against uh, Chipman's nomination. You've got current ATF employees who are speaking under the condition of anonymity, saying we don't want this guy in charge. He's uh, a gun control activist. He's going to politicize the agency. We also have not heard from Joe Manchin, Pat Toomey, uh, and a couple of other uh, senators who are uh, key to, uh, to to Chipman getting confirmed. Do you think that the votes are there, uh, or, or are they still looking for that 50th and 51st vote to confirm David Chipman right now?
1: Well, I think uh, yesterday's announcement was time to coincide with the vote this morning in Senate Judiciary, where... The nom- David Chippen's nomination was a le- tied, 11-11, straight down party lines, as, as was expected. So now it will be discharged and go to the floor at some point um, in mid to the you know, third week of July, something like that. Uh, you, know, you know, Senator Manchin hasn't indicated. Senator King hasn't. Senator Tester. Uh, Senator Toomey. So, um, you know, there's an issue about Senator Kelly and whether he has to recuse himself. Because he has a conflict of interest, having been a co-founder of the Giffords organization um, that his wife is still very much involved in, and by whom David Chipman is to this day currently drawing a paycheck. Um, Senator Sinema, uh, you know, has also demonstrated uh, that you know she has an independent streak. So where will she be? Um, so these are you know, if you live in these states—Montana, Maine, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Arizona. I would encourage you to pick up the phone and, uh, call the senators and urge them to vote no on the Chipman nomination because as, you know, as we've mentioned, it will politicize the director of ATF and it will do irreparable damage to ATF long term and it will damage the relationship between industry and ATF. So you know, going back to the this zero tolerance. If you're a retailer and you have a question about whether you're doing something right or wrong in the regulations, are you going to pick up the phone and invite ATF to come into your shop fearing that they may take your license? If you're a manufacturer and you're a question, are you going to pick up the phone and call ATF and ask and have a dialogue? That's what happens now, right? If you're a retailer and you think somebody was in there trying to start a purchase and you denied the sale, are you gonna pick up the phone like you do today and call ATF and say, hey, you know, this guy was in here and you know I was a little suspicious? That happens today, which is why retailers are the primary source of information to ATF for trafficking investigations. Are retailers gonna be willing to pick up the call, pick up the phone and make that call? They're gonna fear that they're pending a target on the chest for an aggressive ATF to come in, inspect them, find some mistake they made, and put them out of business and destroy their livelihood. I mean, it's, it's, you know, NSSF has never opposed a nominee. We've supported every nominee that's come out of committee, including Obama's nominee, B. Todd Jones, because he was qualified. But I've never seen a more unqualified candidate, a more biased candidate or, or nominee for this position. So I don't know if the votes are there. I think it will be very, very close. I think it'll be, you know, one or two votes. Either way, probably one. Um, you know, so we'll see. You know, the people need to pick up the phone, contact their senators and weigh in. I mean, you know, your second amendment rights are at risk. And, you know, there are things he can do. It doesn't require, a, you know, an act of Congress or rulemaking. He doesn't think people should own suppressors. So right now it takes almost a year to get a form for in order to get a suppressor. So what if he, Takes resources away from processing those forms and puts it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now, three years, four years. If you're, if you're trying to import a product as a manufacturer, an importer manufacturer, you got to get an import permit. Well, now that takes a year or it gets denied. Um, you know, it's how laws are, how regulations are interpreted all of a sudden. And we see this from time to time where ATF. Takes a very different interpretation of a longstanding rule that was understood. We saw that, for example, with uh, so-called armor-piercing ammunition under the Obama administration. All of a sudden, you know, ammunition that had been lawfully sold and was being sold for the hunting market was was deemed to be armor-piercing ammunition out of the blue, without any rulemaking. Just this is how we now interpret it. So, a lot of things can be done under a chip and ATF that will. Uh, Inhibit the ability to exercise your rights. It will inhibit the ability of industry to do business and damage that relationship. Uh, and I think damage ATF long term, which is why you're hearing from people inside ATF about concerns about how this will impact the agency. I think you're going to see a pick up and discussion about disbanding ATF. We saw Bill introduced the other day about disbanding ATF. I think you're going to see a lot more of that and I think it'll it'll pick up the head of steam uh,
0: going forward. All right. Well, Larry, listen, we appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much for joining us on the program. And I know we'll be talking again very, very soon. Good to be with you, Cam. Have a good day. Appreciate Larry, joining us on the program. Uh, we are giving you a two for today. Uh, I wanted to talk to a gun store owner as well. and Michael Cargill from Central Texas Gunworks was uh, nice enough to carve out a couple of minutes from a very busy day. Uh, to uh, talk about Biden's comments and and his concerns, really, about a, a weaponized ATF that is uh, uh, willing and able to uh, shut down gun stores for the smallest of paperwork violations. Take a look and a listen. Michael, thank you so much, sir, for joining me on the program today. It's good talking with you.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Cam.
0: You bet. Uh so we just spoke with Larry Keane from the National Shooting Sports Foundation about uh President Biden's remarks yesterday, but I, I want to talk to a gun store owner uh like yourself to to get your thoughts on what Biden said uh, outside of the weird, you know, digression into uh, nuclear weapons and you couldn't own a cannon way back when, which, by the way, is absolutely wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the the, the we'll, we'll try to focus and get rid of the clutter and focus on um, what he said about going after, quote unquote, rogue gun dealers uh, and saying you will have zero tolerance for for rogue gun dealers, which which begs the question, did they have a lot of tolerance for people who, uh, as Biden said, were selling guns out the back door in the past? And Maybe more importantly, uh, from your perspective, how concerned are you about what the president said about uh, the ATF targeting gun dealers uh, in his remarks yesterday?
2: Right, absolutely. So, you know, in Texas, you know, first of all, In any gun store in the nation, you're going to walk to the gun store. You got to fill out a 4473. You have to do a background check in order to get the gun. Uh, When it comes to FFL dealers, you know, we're doing the right thing and we're actually on the front lines. So, people walk to the gun store, we're selling guns to them, we're doing background checks the way we're supposed to do. Uh, Even if we do it in a gun show, no matter where we sell a firearm, we're still going to conduct a background check. And we actually have a message, you know, for this president. Um, this, this president made a statement yesterday that I thought was just crazy and insane because we have a history in Texas. Uh, we have a history, a model that says, come and take it. Uh, and when we say come and take it, that's exactly what we mean. Um, and that goes all the way back to, you know, way back when 1800s, 1700s. But let me tell you a particular story of Austin, Texas, where I'm located in Austin. We had a young lady who defended Austin by, by way of using a cannon. And what she did was you had uh, some individuals decided they were going to steal the records of from Austin to remove Austin as the capital of Texas. And what she did to make sure they didn't do that, to make sure that Austin still remained the capital of Texas, she fired a cannon to stop that. That was a young lady that did that. And that was back in the 1800s. And that is why Austin is still the capital of Texas. And so, you know, Yes, you do need a cannon. Yes, you can have a cannon. I, I, you know, have a lot of different guns and I plan on keeping my guns. And if anyone decides they're going to come after my guns, I have a couple surprises for you. We're polite in Texas. We're very polite. And we invite everyone to Texas. And so if I have to give it to you, I'm probably going to give you my bullets first, you know, just just so you know, you know, it, if you're going to get anything from me.
0: There you go. Some fine words from uh, from you, Michael. It sounds like you are uh, a little um, uh, incensed about uh, Biden trying to blame violent crime on on legitimate firearm retailers like yourself. Um, I mean, let's talk about that for a second, because, look, there is no doubt the crime is going up, including in Austin. Uh, Mayor of Austin uh, proclaims we need more gun control laws on the books. He's, uh, you know, ridiculed uh, Texas new constitutional carry law. Uh, And now you've got Biden saying, look, the issue isn't violent criminals. It's not individuals who are pulling the trigger. It's those uh, gun stores out there who are selling firearms to, you know, millions of Americans, many of whom are embracing their Second Amendment rights for the very first time in their life.
2: No. So the problem is going to be your liberal leaders in these different towns and cities who decide to defund the police. The problem is, you know, we're taking all those funds away from our local law enforcement, and they're shrinking those departments down to where they can't even provide the basic, you know, resources that they need and also even answer 911 calls. And that's going to be the issue. The problem is in the city of Austin, Texas, uh, the liberal Mecca here is we have had a city council and a city leadership that decided to, to defund the police and also uh, allow homeless or anyone to just sit and lie and camp wherever they want. And by doing that, by not having any rules for people to follow, uh, just allowing people to sit and camp and lie anywhere. Crime is actually festered, and people are moving here in droves and decided to commit crimes in our city, which is driving our crime rate up. And so we don't have the enough police officers on the street right now because police have retired. A lot of them are quitting because they're taking those funds and that equipment away from them. And so here we are, you know, as individuals, a business owner, you know, last year in July when the riots started, protests and things of that nature, I had a group of eight people try to break into our gun store. Eight people, five vehicles deep. Because our local law enforcement were down, down downtown Austin trying to protect the city, you know, the city center there, mm-hmm. and we were left, you know, just by ourselves here. So if it wasn't for the fact that we had guns, we would not have been able to fend off that attack on this gun store, and they were not able to get into the gun store and get anything. You know, we yeah. need to— I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, I mean, you you make an excellent point here, particularly when you talk about, you know, that that lack of police resources in Austin. I know that uh, the mayor has said, well, we didn't really defund the police. But you look at it, they zeroed out about 50 million dollars from the uh, Austin Police Department budget. Uh, Priority one response times, as you say, they are well above uh, what they used to be. Even just a couple of years ago, you had a, a shooting. I believe it took 16 minutes for police to respond to. Uh, not long ago uh, in Austin, Texas, and it's not because, you know, police stopped to get coffee on the way. It's just, as you say, the resources are stretched so thin. And I've got to, you know, it seems to be like, Michael, that that is actually leading more people to become gun owners because they see what's going on in their communities. Biden wants to he, he gets it backwards. He says, "Well, you know, people are buying guns and that's increasing crime." I'd actually argue that crime's going up and more Americans are saying, "Okay, this is scary. I want to be able to protect myself and the people I love."
2: Yeah. And what I mean, what this president said, we had a sitting president of the United States just make a statement yesterday that said that the second amendment means that certain people should not carry guns. And that should that should bring pause to a lot of people, you know, and just what he said and how he said it. You know, you should think about that in in what we're talking about here. Because last year in 2020, we had people uh, that never even wanted to or thought about getting a gun decide to walk into the gun store and get a gun for their own personal protection. Because the country shut down because of COVID 19, they didn't know what was going to happen. You know what was going to happen. At, you know how we we're going to come out of this. They decided. You know what? I need to take my own personal safety into my own hands and buy a gun, get some training, and learn how to use this firearm. And in Texas, like I said, we have a response for this president. Our response to President Biden is constitutional carry, permanent carry has passed in the state of Texas. Everybody can carry a gun. There you go. Second Amendment sanctuary language
0: passed as well there. Uh, state of Texas saying you want to enforce new federal gun control laws. Well, we're not going to lift a finger to help. I, you know, But I got to ask you, Michael, I mean, when, when you hear the president say we're going to have zero tolerance uh, for these uh, gun stores that make, quote, willful errors, um, how, how concerned does that make you as a gun store owner that, uh, you know, let's say if David Shipman, uh, a gun control activist, gets confirmed as the head of the ATF, that that he'll see, you know, even a paperwork violation uh, as a, a willful violation and try to shut down uh, your gun store or other gun stores in the state of Texas?
2: I'm very concerned. That gives me great pause because that means that the ATF, which, They can walk into this gun store at any time right now and decide to inspect me and bring four or five agents to go through every single piece of paperwork that I have. And if you think there's not going to be a mistake on any sheet of paperwork that I have, my goodness, you've never run a business before in your life. And for him to say something like that, every gun store in this nation should be concerned and scared, and we need to stand together because this can you know, we we can't do something like this. You know, I, I I have to be able to, you know, yes, my intentions are good. When people walk to the gun store, we have different checks and everything that we go through to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Our intentions are good. We're not trying to make mistakes. I don't think anyone wants to make mistakes in all this stuff. And it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of work, a lot of processes that we have to follow. So for him, this president to say something like that, man, I'm concerned. And I think this is going to get rid of some of your mom and pops. I'm concerned about the little guy, Mm -hmm. the little mom and pop gun stores that are just going to say, hey, well, I'm done with this. They're going to turn around and and just leave. And, you know, we should be concerned about that. Absolutely.
0: Uh, And, you know, I got to say, too, I mean, it's not surprising to see Biden try to demonize uh, gun store owners. But It is incredibly disappointing because, you know, I know that the industry has programs like Don't Lie for the Other Guy where they work with the ATF. They try to educate people on the illegality of, you know, straw purchases, for example. Uh, There are, I think, folks, uh, I think the vast, vast majority of FFLs out there uh, not only want to stay within the boundaries of of the uh, rules and regulations of the ATF, but they want to ensure. That, you know, uh, that they're doing the right thing, that they're preventing these types of straw purchases. But rather than a collaborative approach, the Biden administration is taking a very combative approach. Uh, You know, they're not reaching out to you guys uh, unless it's, again, to warn you that they're coming for you. Uh, When it seems to me like if if there was more collaboration between the administration and gun store owners, uh, you, you could actually do some real good here.
2: Right. Because there, there are things that we can do. There are things that I, I think that we should focus on, and they're never focusing on the right thing. Um, gun stores are the front line when it comes to the defense for this country and defense against criminals, because uh we keep criminals from walking to the gun store and actually getting access to a firearm. Uh We stop them right at the door, right at the gate, before we even contact the FBI or the ATF or the NICs to do the background check. That's done right here. So, you know, to – turn around and turn your sights on gun stores and the mom and pops that are trying to do the right thing and trying to check, you know, cross their T's and dot their I's is not the way that we should go in this nation.
0: Absolutely. All right. One last question for you. You know, we we tend to see uh, gun sales increase when there are calls for gun control. Um, We now, of course, you know, for over a year, we've been dealing with uh, record high gun sales already. So I know that uh, inventory is is low ammo nearly impossible to find, but but do you expect that Biden's comments uh, on Wednesday uh, is is that going to lead to more folks walking through your door saying, "All right, I, I I've thought about it. It's time for me to buy a gun."
2: Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, it, it 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 makes me want to go to the gun store and buy a gun because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, man, you know, they're going to come down with some type of restrictions here, and gun stores going to have to. Um, to even go way more past than what they're supposed to do to make sure they don't get in trouble. And so it's going to make it harder for people to get, you know, get the things that they need or want. And so absolutely, uh, it's going to drive gun sales whenever anytime this president says anything is going to drive gun sales. And we, the smaller stores are on the front lines. You know, I'm the one in for that that actually has filed a lawsuit against the federal government for bump stocks for the entire state of Texas. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the one that's filed a lawsuit against the city of Austin to allow gun owners to carry their guns inside uh, the city building and things of that nature and make them follow the state laws here in Texas. We're the ones that are on the front lines. We're the ones that, you know, that are constantly fighting and making sure that, you know, that our Second Amendment stays intact, you know. We have a right to bear arms. We have a right to carry. We have a right to possess. We have a right to purchase. Uh, I shouldn't have to worry about, you know, going into the gun store and, and worrying about, you know, what, if the federal government is looking over my shoulder, you know, to make sure, you know, what's right, what's wrong. Absolutely.
0: Michael Cargo with the Central Texas Gunworks. Where can folks find you online, Michael?
2: Uh, we're at CentralTexasGunworks.com right here in Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. So come on down to see us sometime.
0: Listen, next time I'm in Texas, man, I'm going to stop off. Uh, We'll get some barbecue because I know a good barbecue joint there in Austin. You probably know more than I do, though. Uh, (laughs) But I definitely want to see the shop in person. And I really appreciate you joining me on the program today.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you.
0: Many thanks to Michael Cargill for spending a few minutes with us. And again, thank you to uh, Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation as well. Now, you heard Larry say that the Senate Judiciary Committee deadlocked 11-11, on the confirmation of David Chipman that does move his nomination to the full Senate floor. Uh, no idea when that vote will be held. But uh, if you are a gun owner in, let's say, the state of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Arizona, uh, I would strongly encourage you, strongly encourage you to uh, email your senators like uh, Joe Manchin, Pat Toomey, Kirsten Sinema, Uh, And uh, tell them why you're opposed to David Chipman, why you're opposed to putting a gun control activist like Chipman in charge of the agency overseeing our nation's gun laws. You do have uh, members of the ATF who have spoken out against this, both uh, uh, former ATF directors speaking out publicly. You've got uh, current ATF employees speaking out uh, on the condition of anonymity. Uh, So the objections are there. They are real. I don't expect that uh, Arizona's junior senator, Mark Kelly, who co-founded Giffords, is going to vote against David Chipman. One could argue that he should recuse himself from this vote, but I don't think that's going to happen either. Uh, that doesn't really happen in uh, politics. Maybe on the judiciary side of things it does, but uh, no, I, I, don't, I think Kelly's going to vote to confirm uh, David Chipman. But, you know, send him a uh, civil email as well, expressing your uh, opposition and urging uh, uh, Senator Kelly to to, to keep David Chippen on uh, as a gun control activist. If that's what he wants to do, then maybe that's where he should be. Alright, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company because we gave you a couple of extra interviews there or at least one extra interview. We'll uh, skip our deal of the day, our uh, uh, armed citizen story and more, but we will... Uh, I'll be back with you on Monday with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Don't forget, you can also become a VIP member of BarionArms.com. All you got to do is go to the website, actually go to BarionArms.com slash subscribe, and you can become a VIP member there. In fact, you can use the promo code GUNS to get 25% off of your VIP membership. You'll get exclusive analysis, commentary not available to uh, non-subscribers, but you will also help support programs like Berrien Arms, Cam & Company. We really do appreciate all the support that you give us. Hope you have a good Friday and a great weekend, and we will see you here on Monday. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.